Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, I have Rachel Howard, and we've been trying to set this up for months and months and months, but we're finally going to do an interview about HR-related topics and hiring people and stuff like that, which and when I teach classes, people ask about it all the time. So, Rachel, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. No problem. Great to be here. So before we get into the questions, can you explain your role leading Agile? Because it's kind of a unique type of position. It is. Um, I am the chief cultural officer for leading Agile. So what that means is that from an executive level, I head up all of talent acquisition and talent engagement. Um, Talent acquisition, that is recruiting strategy, where we hire in the marketplace, Um, What does our interview process look like, the different components to it? There's a lot of science in our interview process. So we do a cultural screen. We have various assessments. They look at people's intrinsic, their intrinsic DNA, kind of how they're hardwired, um, what their skills are, what their stress levels are, um, how they manage how they manage their time, how organized they are, all the different things that go into being a good consultant, what their executive presence is, what their thinking looks like. We have various assessments to solve for that, including um, problem solving as well. So that's kind of the acquisition aspect of it. Also goes, where do we find these people in the marketplace? And I kind of figure that out. What kind of user groups should we be speaking at? What's the content we should be blogging about? Conferences we should be representing at? Where, where do the people who are going to be in line with our point of view and our message out in the community, where do these people live? So I, I help figure that out. As for the engagement side of what I do, that is anywhere from making people feel connected to the company. It's very hard, I think, being a consultant in a distributed organization. And we are a virtual company um, on top of that. So that means we have no brick and mortar that anyone reports to. So being engaged within our organization, you. That, that takes a lot of, uh, I think, thought and planning, and you have to really be deliberate about the things you do to make people feel connected to not only their company, but their coworkers. And then past that, I also work on career development. What are the things that people need to be doing to continue to grow in their career and grow within the organization? Okay. And what, what's been the, um, the most surprising thing to you about trying to establish culture in a virtual organization? Because for a lot of us, I don't even know. I mean, it's been years and years and years since I worked at a company where there was an actual office, but it is a very different animal, you know, keeping everybody connected. So what, what's been the most surprising aspect of that for you? Um, I would say the most surprising thing is how easily, once you actually put some time and attention into it, how easily people can feel like they're part of something big. Um, I had worked in virtual companies before where there wasn't any kind of deliberate intention or deliberate actions behind it. It was just if you were out of the client site, you know, you'd get to know your coworkers, maybe who were there with you, but they didn't really, they, they felt displaced. They didn't really feel like they had a home or, or any company. They, they felt like they were more part of their client's organization than their um, than their parent company, the people who sign their checks. With Leading Agile, we have a bunch of folks who are highly collaborative. They're very self-organizing. Uh, they tend to be very like-minded because we have been pretty deliberate in the cultural side of um, our interviewing and our hiring, looking for certain types of people. They tend to really like and respect each other. So we put some key things in place 
uh, like Slack for, for having conversations. And now we're using um, Sococo as a virtual office for ourselves. But I guess I've been surprised with how, how much these tools really can help, that they can make someone feel connected and like they're part of a, a larger company and not just this consultant that is displaced uh, on a client side and, and is, is remote from everybody else. Cool. Yeah, thank you. I think, and I just, I'm going to comment on it too, because one of the things that I realized when we had the last offsite, I, we have a lot of different ways people can get engaged. And other places I've been, it's sort of like, you have to use this tool, you have to use that tool. We have a whole lot of tools. And um, I hadn't really thought about it this way until Dave Nicolette mentioned it, but all these different options allow people to be connected in whatever way they want. So one of the things that seems like a shift to me in virtual companies is, it's not just this is the way you have to interact, but take what you want. We got all these different ways. Engage with whoever you want, however you want. And I think that that giving that freedom helps. At least it helps me stay more connected. I think it helps. I think it helps many people because even though I think our consultants have some common um, threads of, of how they they look at how they work and how they communicate to their clients and have they believe in our point of view. They're all very different with very different backgrounds and passions. I mean, we have such a passionate group of folks who work for us, but their passions are in all different areas. So what's going to work for one person might not work for other people. So I'm glad that we were able to provide a lot of different avenues for engagement and yeah. connection. Cool. Yeah. And what, this is also the only company I've been at that tried to have a book club where it actually worked. And I've found that to be, even yeah. when I can't call in and I can like connect offline and, and listen back, it's been really, really valuable. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. All right. On to the question. So the first question, um, there are, uh, so for those of you listening, there's a couple questions that I sent to Rachel that I typed up and they're based on stuff that people ask about in class a lot. But the first one that I want to address is from a guy named Mike. So the first thing I'm going to do is play the recording of Mike's question and then give Rachel a chance to respond to it. My name is Mike and here's my question. For somebody who's new to the Scrum process, looking for a new role in an agile environment, how do we get over the, quote, minimum experience in Scrum hurdle? All right, so that's the recording from Mike, and I'm going to add something on to the end of that, because a question that comes up a lot in class is people have come into these trainings. They get their CSM, they get their CSPO, and they want to know how to present themselves to get a job at a company that's doing Agile. If you've got your CSM or your CSPO, that's just sort of the beginning, but what else do they need to put together to be able to convince somebody, give me a job working with a, with a Scrum team or some kind of Agile implementation? So... To answer Mike's question, um, if, if you're interested in Agile, you don't really have a lot of experience at it. And if you're, especially if you're at a company that is not really doing much in the space, it can be tricky. How, how do you gain the experience so that you are going to be attractive to other employers and you are going to get that opportunity to work in an Agile environment? Um, you know, typically, we would be looking for people to do things. Um, on their own. I mean, you have to be someone who is an avid learner and has the discipline to take that time to go and get your certification, go and get that CSM. I think that that is a great baseline. This is a good starting point. You're going to learn the basics and the mechanics of um, what it means to be working on a scrum team and what are the expectations there. Um, I would be also looking for what kind of things are you going um, what are you doing out in the community? There's a lot of different opportunities for you to find like-minded people in the community that you can, one, be networking in, which 
networking with, which could be opening up doors later for other opportunities, but to be learning from them, especially if you're not getting that in your current organization. There are meetups in every city. There are online communities um, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, through, you know, through, you know, pick a social media and I guarantee you're going to be able to find it. Um, there are blogs you could be reading and, um, you know, find people whose blogs really speak to you and try to reach out to them. Um, see if you can find a mentor in that space, someone who's, you know, that, that you really feel like, you know, they're speaking to you. People like to be asked for help. People like talking and sharing. You'd be surprised how many people might be willing to actually kind of be your mentor in that space. Um, but, you know, I would say community, 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 go to conferences, go to users groups, go to meetups. This, these are the only places you're going to be able to start gaining that knowledge and experience to be able to um, talk intelligently about it. Uh, I'd also be looking for areas within your own organization where you can be taking the things that you're learning and implying this. And this kind of goes back to, okay, well, now I have my CSM, you know, I went and did that first level. Now what? I would go in and see, can I start bunch and learns at my company? Can I find people within my organization who are like-minded? Maybe they didn't take the course. Maybe, you know, they don't have their certification, but they see the value in it. So find those people, start lunch and learns, start maybe your own meetup. Maybe you do a book club, start going through different authors that are in the Agile community. So I want to I want to jump in and ask you a question about this, because one of the things that I usually suggest to folks, I mean, everything you mentioned, I totally agree with. I also uh, encourage them to volunteer for anything they can. Um, but oh, absolutely. There's a lot of places outside of work um, where people can mm -hmm. start to put this like if you don't have any practice at it I always recommend like use it at home use it with a church group mm -hmm. teach it to kids um, there's schools that use it there's there's all different places you can find to apply this stuff to just gain a level of comfort so that you're you've got some stories you can tell you can talk about it a little easier in a job interview stuff like that I think is is an important thing as well I, I agree and there's a lot of things too, if you do your research online, people are creating tools to be able to use this stuff at home. It's a great way to organize your life. It's a great way to get your kids focused, um, makes things very big and visible for them. But there are a lot of companies out there that have started developing ways to be using this in your personal life, not just for work. So I totally agree with you. Now, if you spoke to someone on the phone and you asked them about their experience and their response was simply, well, my company won't let me do Agile. That's why I want to leave. To me, that would be sort of like, okay, well, we're kind of done here. I, it's like, just because they yeah. tell you no doesn't mean, to me, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you've, you've kind of not, not developed enough passion right. to find a way to do it. Exactly. To have success in this space, you do have to have a passion around it. I mean, it does, it becomes kind of part of your, your DNA. Yeah. Um, and, if, and if you want to get other people believing this is the right way to be moving so that they can be running their projects more efficiently, they've got to believe that you, you know, this is something that you, you really feel passionate about, that this isn't just, oh, I want to do agile for the sake of doing agile because it's the buzzword right now, but you yeah. really understand why this is, you know, why this is the best approach and how this is going to make your life better and how this is going to make and save the company money. I mean, you have to believe it and understand it. It's got to be in your core. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So kind of following down the path towards coaching, 
Another question that comes up in almost every class is about certification. So I usually meet people mm-hmm. when they're coming for CSM or CSPO, but they always want to know, yep. should I get a PMP? Should I get a SAFE certification? Should I get the, a PMI Agile certification or, or some other certification? Um, wh- what's your opinion about certs in general? I really think that one, it depends. Well, it depends on two things. One, what does that person want to do? So they really have to think about what role do they want to play within an Agile team? Um, and what type of company do they want to work at? Because, you know, it might be valuable to have your CSPO and your CSM. Maybe you want to be someone who could be a utility player, but you're not going to you know, be both on that team. So you just kind of have to look what kind of speaks to me. Am I more geared towards large scale enterprise type of transformation? Maybe so, then a, then a scaled agile framework might make sense. And maybe to have that knowledge might make sense. If you're going to work in a small company, it probably doesn't. Um, with that being said, too, looking at working at a small company versus a large enterprise, those certifications are going to matter differently to different size organizations. Uh, In my experience, when you're talking about large corporations, big financial institutions, insurance companies, I mean, even just, you know, retail, but just because of the size they are and how long they've been around, they're going to have more um, HR policies and procedures, probably more governance in that space, where it's going to be largely, it's going to be very directed by their HR department. They're probably not going to be Um, as knowledgeable of what's really needed within an Agile team. So they're going to be looking for things like certification. To them, that is going to be kind of that indicator. Oh, they've had that experience. They have this certification. That's going to be very important to them. If you're working in a smaller company, like one like ours, um, it's not as important. I, I really, I, I, I think it's valuable. I'm glad to see someone's put the thing you know, out. To me, it shows that people put the time and effort into yeah. doing it. And I think that's valuable, but I care more about what they've actually done. I care more okay. about their cultural mind, their mindset around these things. And I care more about what is the practical the experience they have that lends it to the job that they want to do. Um, the other thing too, is I think that the mature, you know, if, if a company is farther along in their agile transformation, if they've been doing agile longer, I think they probably will also have more of that understanding of, I, I care more about what they do versus having that certification, but that certification is probably, it's a plus. Um, but the younger they are in their kind of agile journey, I think the more they're going to be looking for those certifications, because to them, that's, you know, that's going to be something that they can pin their hat on that, oh, well, at least they know what they're talking about because they're still figuring it out themselves. They're not sure what they, they don't know what they should be looking for yet. Yeah. I, I usually tell people two things. One is that having the cert might keep a door from closing. Like it won't necessarily open a door, but it'll keep it from being shut. And the other thing, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, have, I haven't been in a hiring position in a while, but um, when I was, I would not hire anybody that wasn't either CSM or PMP. And and the reason for that was not because I had any expectation that it would demonstrate any level of skill. I just knew that I didn't feel like explaining some really basic stuff to them. And my assumption was if they've taken, you know, the, the time to get one of those certs, like if it's a PMP, I'm not going to have to explain the difference mm-hmm. between work and duration. And if they've got CSM, I don't have to explain how big a team is supposed to be. Uh, I just find that I that saves me I think that's a really hassle. valid point. Yep. 
I agree. I think that's a very, very valid point. But, but in general, so if you were, if you were interviewing somebody and it was to send to a client to work on a team or to work with us, the certification is not like, it's not like a dead stop. If you don't have it, it doesn't mean you're not getting an interview. It, it's not, but kind of, as I said before, it doesn't hurt because Agile's still new enough. Um, just like, you know, you go back 10 years ago and it was really important to a lot of companies that you had your PMP. Um, I think we're still in that, that space. So, you know, in a consulting firm like ours, um, I might be caring more about what have they done? How does that relate to the types of problems we're trying to solve? Yeah. But our client is still going to want to see that those people are certified. Well, and yeah, but They're also, I mean, our, our con- yeah. if, we were, if we were sending somebody onto a team, I think, yeah, but a lot of the, con- the consultants that we're sending in, they're working at a much higher level in the organization and the problem space exactly. is way more complex than anything you're going to get out of a certification class. It does lend a certain amount of credibility, even though that might be a little bit, um, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, it, you know, almost, I don't say false credibility because it's not, but just to someone who is not as familiar in this space of what, what's needed at just having that certification, you know, just makes you seem a little bit more knowledgeable. Now, if they don't have it, do you ask them why they don't have it? Does that ever come up or is that not something you would ask? That's not something I personally um, would ask, but okay. I do have to say 90% of the people I talk to do actually have it. Ah, and it just okay. seems to be like it's a base it is a baseline when someone is getting interested in this, they go off and they at the minimum get their CSM. Or if yeah. they're, you know, if they really are more focused on a product owner, they go and get their CSPO. Most people I talk to, I mean, I I mean, I, I'm not even working with a client and as you know, I have mine. I mean yeah. it's just kinda of, you know, and, and our other recruiter who works for us, she has her CSM and her CSPO. It just kind of is that baseline to have, you know, just so you you know, you're all talking the same language. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's take it a step further. Now, what if somebody is working? Because I get a lot of this too. I get people that have been on teams. They've been working as a scrum master or a PO for a while. They've started to kind of help other teams get their head around it. And they want to make the switch from being a team member to being an agile coach. And I, mm-hmm. my transition was I went in as a team member and ended up being a coach. Like it wasn't something that it was a yeah. conscious decision. It wasn't a decision by the company I worked for. It just happened that way. Um, right. How, how, does, how do you explain to somebody like, okay, you're a scrum master. You want to be a coach? Other than walking outside and going, I'm an agile coach. Like what's the other, right. like, what should they actually do? Do you have suggestions um, I for that? I would be looking for, I do. I, there's a couple of different things I'd be looking for. Um, one, to be honest, to go back to our last question, I would be looking to see if they had their CSM and their CSPO. I'd be looking kind of for that because it, I, I just, it, I feel pretty strongly on having that common language, especially if you're going to be going out and teaching it to other people. Okay. Um, but I would be looking to see if they had been in a variety of roles on agile teams. Had they been a scrum master, a team lead, maybe a product owner, I'd like to see that they had worked on um, worked in agile teams for at least a few years and ideally at either two or more companies or at least in two or more departments. So um, longevity is not, is not, I mean, that used to be a thing. Like have you stayed a place for five years? Right. And my experience was the jumping around was where I learned the most. Exactly. I mean, I want to, you know, and even if it's within the same company, maybe you've just gone from, you know, you've found Multiple ways clients. to get into different departments 
it's just getting exposed to different problems and different kind of experiences so that you can speak to a lot of different challenges that may come up as an agile coach that you might have to speak to. If you've only been doing one thing in one role for five years, well, then you only know how to solve one problem. And going out coaching, that's not really, that's not going to be effective. I mean, you're not going to be an effective coach if you haven't had that breadth of experience. Do you think that for somebody to be an agile coach that they need to have a coaching certification? Because that is a, is a growth area right now where people that are headed down that path, like if you want to become a certified, you know, scrum coach or you want to take Lisa Atkins training and things like Mm -hmm. that, like there is a certification path for coaching as a profession. Is that something you look for? Um, It is not something I look for. Uh, I certainly don't think it could hurt. I mean, especially if someone hasn't been doing it for uh, as long, it's just going to give you that much more of a foundation and that, you know, just a couple more tools in your toolbox. Um, But it's not something that I personally look for. I, again, I am really more concerned about what are the different problems they've solved? What have they seen? Um, Have they been in multiple industries? I mean, I just want someone who has a little bit of life experience behind them and, and has not just been siloed into one particular team and problem. Okay, cool. All right, I got one more. You interview, you talk to a lot of different people and for a lot of different kinds of jobs in the space. Are there things that you wish everyone knew or had thought about before they got to the interview that it just seems like a lot of people for some reason didn't get that memo? Like, like this is the part that trips them up. Like, are there things you just wish they were spending time on before they got to you? Um, probably there's two areas. One, um, I'd really like them to do their homework on who we are as an organization. Um, and I think that that really goes for any company you're talking to, not just leading agile, but understand the company's purpose, understand their why. So kind of go back to Simon Sinek and his three circles, go back to what is, what is their why? Does your why, does your reason for getting up every you know, morning, does it align with the company's, the, the problems that they're trying to solve? Are they the problems that you're passionate about? Because I think that that's important. So being able to speak to that, I mean, that's things I'll, I, I will dig into. And if you're not coming to the table, understanding who we are and, and understanding kind of our point of view in the marketplace, then I kind of feel like you're just looking for a job. You're not passionate about my company. Um, I look for people who, you know, really have their own points of views as well. Um, the other thing that I, I guess I, I, I tend to look for is, um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Hopefully, well, you can cut oh, me off so there. Actually, I want to I want to comment on the job thing for a second because that to me is a pretty profound okay. statement. I think, and it, and it's important is that if you're just looking for a job, there are certain types of companies that are the places to go. There are other companies, and a lot of the smaller agile shops are, are like this. It's not just a job. You have to find your own personal mission and find the place where mm-hmm. you can you can fulfill that mission as best you can. And I think that for, for a lot of us, it's not like, I mean, I think about myself, I'm, I love working at Leading Agile. It may not always be the case. There might be a time when we go different directions and that's cool. But for a time, you know, if you can find a place where you can go and be and continue to grow and fulfill what you want to do, and that's in sync with the company's mission, then that's a really good fit. And that's a place you should research and learn about and investigate and talk to people about and just kind of campaign to get that job. I absolutely 100% agree with that. I mean, I 
really the number one thing that when I'm talking to someone um, that I'm looking for is I'm looking to see what gets them excited and what they're passionate about. I want to understand what drives them, what are the things that are going to make them feel feel fulfilled in their job and and feel lucky to be working at whatever company they choose to be working at. I want people who are going to attack each day with a sense of uh, just, I don't say joy, but, you know, I, I, I want people to love their job. And, and if it's not going to be with me, I mean, my company is not going to be the best fit for everyone, but to have that sense of purpose that they want to find that out. I don't want someone who's just looking for a paycheck and doesn't care because you spend way too much time at your job not to. So I want people who do and who are going to get excited to work with like-minded people and that's going to drive them. The other thing that I look for is that someone really has taken their time to really figure out what what their point of view is. And I know I keep coming back to that. I just think it's really important, but what their point of view is in their industry. Um, are they reading? Are they following people? Who are their influencers? And why do those people resonate with them? What is it about what these people are, are writing or, or saying? Why does it speak to them? And how does that align with their own beliefs of how to um, tackle problems or coach people or whatever it may be? So I, I want people who, who can talk about these things. Um, but but in, their, uh, in their own voice, right? In their own voice, exactly. Yeah. I have a I have a personal pet peeve with because for a while it seemed like a lot of folks I talked to in Andrew, I'd ask them a question and they'd be like, "Well, the Schwaber says this and the Sutherland says this," yeah. and like I don't I read those books too. Like I don't care. <laughs> I know what they said. What do you think? Um, I think exactly. you have to be able to filter it down for yourself and and have your own thoughts yep. on it. whether you agree or not. I think having a position on it's really important. Yep, I agree, 100%. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you very much for the time this afternoon. I really appreciate awesome. answering these questions. And uh, if folks if folks want to get in touch with you, um, either you know to see if, about work or to ask follow-up questions, um, maybe there's people like HR people from other Agile organizations, what's the best way for them to reach you? The best way would be through my work email, which okay. is rachel.howard at leadingagile.com. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, Rach, thanks a lot. And I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too.